what is good everybody man let me know if y'all can hear me in the chat we got a lot to talk about we only got three games to talk about but i got a feeling this is going to be a fairly long longer show to discuss three games we had two big semifinal games that set up a dakota marker rematch in the fcs national championship we have north dakota state going for their 10th FCS national title. They're 10 and 0 in the game. And we had South Dakota State, who was going for their first ever FCS national championship. And they're they're looking to rebound from that spring season where they were a play away from being FCS national champions. And then, of course, the HBCU national champions were crowned in North Carolina Central. In a huge, uh, I, I don't I, listen. I, I know there's some people who hate the word upset. When you're a 16 point underdog, man, it's an upset. But Central made a statement this weekend with an overtime victory over Jackson State to push the MEAX record in the Celebration Bowl to six and one, and they claimed their first uh, first Celebration Bowl victory in school history, bouncing back as being the only MEAC team to lose in that game back to back. Uh, 10 to 9 to Grambling back in the day, man. It, it was an outstanding weekend of college football, man. I just want to say on Friday night, if you looked at Twitter, the Incarnate Word North Dakota State game was one of the top trending things on Twitter. The Celebration Bowl set off a whole chain reaction on social media as it as it was obvious, obviously going to do. Then South Dakota State made an absolute statement by smacking Montana State in dominant fashion. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, just so y'all know what's coming down the pipeline, I do have something coming. Um, I'm talking to the SID over at North Carolina Central. Me and Coach Fred on the Coach's Corner this week will most likely have a two-part guest with Matt Leone, the offensive coordinator for Central, coming back on the show and potentially having head coach Trey Oliver on the show uh, to talk about him leading his team to the Celebration Bowl championship. So Matt Leone, Trey Oliver, possibly on the show later this week. And also Wednesday is early signing day. Everyone knows me and Scotty uh, did the first ever full day HBCU FCS live stream on National Signing Day last year in February. We're doing it again. We'll be streaming for probably about 9, 10 in the morning all the way into the later hours of the day, breaking commitments. I'm in talks with a few recruits to potentially announce commitments on the show. And we are going to have a full day live stream on Wednesday to bring y'all all the FCS HBCU commitments, breaking news on early signing day right here on my channel and his channel um, over there on all script. So doing it big, man, we, we did it last year. We're going to keep it going. No one else does it this big in FCS football. And I want to, make sure you guys get firsthand news right here on the blue bloods but so so much to talk about man and <laughs> shout out to my guy kobe the blitz city podcast he said he can't stand these dakota schools and let's get into david's question let's just jump right into it north dakota state 35 32 win over incarnate word overcame a 16 point first half deficit now the viral sensation that was the Miss fumble where Kobe Johnson looked like he fumbled the football, looked like a clear incarnate word recovery. They reviewed it, gave it back to North Dakota State, and that pretty much ended the game. I mean, uh, incarnate word would have got the ball inside, I believe, 
North Dakota State 40 with a chance to win the game. Now, I did reach out to some people and get some clarification on what the actual call was. So there was a lot of confusion that the refs did not call it a fumble. They actually did call it a fumble in the review. The issue was is that the Incarnate Word player and the North Dakota State player were fighting over the football on the replay. And according to the rules, there has to be a clear, undisputed recovery to reverse a non-fumble call. And so that was the holdup, is that it was a fumble. It was ruled a North Dakota State fumble. There just was not a clear, immediate recovery by Incarnate Word, which is why the ball went back to North Dakota State at the end of the day. And so that was the clarification that I got um, from the MVFC people about what happened on that play. They did call it a fumble. It was just there wasn't a clear, immediate recovery for Incarnate Word due to, I believe it was Caleb Culp and one of the North Dakota State fullbacks or something fighting over the football. And the fact that they couldn't tell who came up with the ball immediately is why they decided to give the football back to North Dakota State. And I will say there's – um a lot of misconceptions, and I think there was even one of the celebration ball where, and we all know the play I'm talking about, where everyone says one play cost a team a game. And, yes, there one play could have a great impact, but there were so, so many people. Um, there were so many plays, events, and all these games that made the outcome what it was. I don't. I think it's kind of lazy analysis to boil it down all into one play. But – for for North Dakota State Incarnate Word, Lindsey Scott put on a show early, man. They Incarnate Word was driving up and down the field. They they shut down North Dakota State's offense early. It was 16 to nothing in the first quarter. And it looked like Incarnate Word had a chance to run away with this game. What it came down to is last weekend, it was the same thing that happened. Statistically, Incarnate Word should have run away with this game. But what happened was they turn the I'm telling you, turnovers cost you the game in big situations, especially in the semifinals late in the playoffs. Incarnate Warren won last week because they forced four turnovers on Sac State, and Sac State didn't force any turnovers for them. And North Dakota State forcing four turnovers cost Incarnate Word this game. It was 16-0. Incarnate Word had a chance to get the football back. They muff a punt. The punt hits the punt returner because he slips. North Dakota State gets the ball inside the red zone. And then Lindsey Scott's first interception was a, I don't know what Darian Chafin was doing. He was, he's been a hell of a receiver all year. Lindsey Scott does throw the ball inside. It's kind of a duck, but it just looked like Darian Chafin never fought to get back inside his DB to get to the football and at least try to break it up. And Dawson Weber was able to come from his safety spot and pick the football off. I don't understand one what he saw. I don't understand why he didn't look off the safety because Dawson Weber is that tight is is a good enough safety to make that play ten times out of ten. It just I I don't know what he was looking at. And then at the end of the game, I still don't understand it. Incarnate Words running a two minute drill. They're eating North Dakota State State up underneath. North Dakota State has two deep safeties. They're playing back on the wide receivers. They're giving everything underneath. You still have a timeout. This clock stops after a first down. The fact that Lindsey Scott gets out of the pocket doesn't either one throw the ball the way. He had his check down, and I believe it was Mar Marcus Cooper underneath who probably could have got to the first down and at least stopped the clock. He just threw it up. 
and Dawson Weber was there. It was in double coverage, and it was just a jump ball. And Dawson Weber had the had the leverage underneath and and, and made the play to win the game. I think Lindsey Scott. I think he got a little bit too aggressive late. He made a bad decision. And North Dakota State's a team where if you make bad decisions, they make you pay, especially in the Fargo Dome. And for for North Dakota State, they ran the football exactly how I thought they were, especially toward the end of the game. They put up 328 28 yards rushing, four touchdowns. They averaged 6.8 6. yards per carry. Kobe Johnson is putting on one of his best stretches of performances I think he's had in his, in, in his North Dakota State career. He had a big performance in the national championship game last year, had a huge explosive running against Montana State. Three touchdowns for him, 136 and nine yards per carry for Kobe Johnson, and they had no idea how to stop him. It just seemed like every time he made a cut, every time there was even an uh, just a sliver of daylight in that UIW defense, he made them pay. Cam Miller, 132, a touchdown on the ground. I will say this. The thing that worries me about North Dakota State is the lack of a passing attack because South Dakota State's defense is not incarnate words. It is elite. I think South Dakota State probably has the best defense in the country right now at the FCS level. There is no way North Dakota State can get away with one for 12 for five yards in the passing game. you it, It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to run for 328 yards on South Dakota State. You have to, you have to give them some sort, you got to give them some sort of balance. That is going to get you absolutely destroyed. Cam Miller, one for 12, five yards is not going to cut it. You have Zach Mathis, you have some weapons on the outside, you're going to have to figure out something over these next few weeks before that national championship game to get that short up. Because I don't think Kobe Johnson, Cam Miller, TK Marshall, potentially Tamaric Williams, if he gets healthy um, at the national championship game, they're not going to be able to just run for 400 yards on South Dakota State. Cam Miller's going to have to make plays, and he's my biggest question mark moving forward for North Dakota State. And that that's just I, I don't I don't I don't know what else to say about it. Michael Tutsi had a huge game, 13 tackles. James Catscore keeps his big season. I do want to say though, I'm so happy for this guy because he's dealt with so much. He dealt with family tragedy at one point, and he dealt with a very, very significant injury last year that kept him out. Um Spencer Wagey is having an all-American type year. Now, our all-American team does drop tomorrow. I'm just going to throw it out here. Spencer Wagey's a first-team All-American. Seven total tackles, three for loss, had a sack and a forced fumble this weekend. There are times where he is absolutely unblockable off the edge. And he is going to be a key come January 8th against South Dakota State. And Spencer Wagey has proven why he has consistently been one of the top leaders for this North Dakota State defense. I wanted to give him a shout-out because he had – he was the guy on defense. And, of course, Dawson Weber with the two big interceptions to keep North Dakota State in this game. Now, the other game. This was a beatdown. And I, so I, I want to ask you guys. Do you, I don't know if you guys have ever had that moment where you, 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 knew what, you knew what was right in your gut and you got caught up a little bit in the hype and you made a bad pick. 
because I picked South Dakota State to win the national championship in August. I got a little bit swept up in the Montana State hype, and South Dakota State humbled me this weekend and reminded me why I picked them in August to win the national championship. They handled Montana State like it was an FBS team playing an FCS team. It was impressive. I I, I just still cannot believe how dominant South Dakota State was this weekend against Montana State. It was... I just got to give a round of applause. I know Montana, there's been some big blowouts where Montana State with the 55 to 7 win and, and all that over William and Mary, even though the score is 39 to 18, Montana State scored a little bit late. I don't, I, I think this was one of the more impressive performances holistically for a team that I've seen. Mark Gronikowski, 10 for 13, two passing touchdowns, had about 200 yards through the air. And on the ground, Isaiah Davis reminding everybody why he was an All-American running back, 158, a touchdown, averaged 10 yards per carry against Montana State. Amir Johnson had a great game, too, had a big had a big 38-yard touchdown in that game, and Mark Gronikowski putting up 52 and a touchdown on the ground as well. 281, three rushing touchdowns for South Dakota State. And here is what I, I still can't believe. We've talked on this show. And regardless of what team you root for, why you watch the show, we have talked about the explosiveness of Montana State's rushing attack all season long. They entered the game as the number one rushing team in the country, averaging over seven yards per carry, 330-plus yards per game on the ground, and had, had almost 50 rushing touchdowns this year. That's what Montana State was bringing in. And... South Dakota State came in with the number one rushing defense, and they showed exactly why. 52 total yards rushing, less than 1.5 yards per carry. South Dakota State put on a show, holding Isaiah Afonsi to 28 yards rushing. Now, Sean Chambers did get hurt. Tommy Mallott was battling injuries late. Both of them had a rushing touchdown. But South Dakota State, it was never in doubt. It was never in doubt. And I know the box score isn't really going to show it, but Reese Winkleman and Caleb Sanders are the most dangerous defensive line duo in the country right now at the FCS level. Both of these guys are absolute animals on the inside. I mean, Caleb Sanders and Reese Winkleman, even if they didn't get the tackle, they, they, they they were in the backfield every play, it felt like at some point. There were stretches where... Montana State couldn't get plays off because Reese Winkleman and Caleb Sanders were blowing up the interior of that offensive line. And then on top of that, it was negative 15 degrees. And it seemed like Tommy Mallott, Isaiah Afonzi, it's hard to cut on ice. Well, that field was complete ice. And the fact that they were blowing up to play in the backfield, they couldn't catch their footing and plays were just dead from the start. And then on top of that, Isaiah Stalbert, Adam Bach, Jason Freeman, were all over the place at linebacker. They were unblockable up front. And you know, even as a defensive tackle, your main job, even though it was great to get the Warren Saps, Aaron Donalds that put up a bunch of sacks and tackles for loss and stats, the main job of a defensive tackle is to take up space, get penetration, and allow the linebackers to go make plays. There's a reason Adam Bach had two and a half tackles for loss, a sack, eight-plus tackles, Stahlberg with eight-plus tackles as well. It's because Reese Winkleman, and Caleb Sanders were eating people alive up front. I just want to, I, 
I was so impressed with how well South Dakota State played defensively, man. They proved that they there was a debate on who the best defense in college football was at the FCS level. And after this weekend, there is no debate. It was South Dakota State. All I mean, it it was on another level this weekend. And on top of that, too, Mark Gronikowski through the air, Tucker Craft show, showing why he's so valuable at the tight end spot and is probably going to be a draft pick. That first play, he got behind the Montana State defense, called an amazing ball, slid into the end zone with the snow, four catches, 69 yards, a big touchdown. Jackson Yankee and Amir Johnson both were, were dynamic to the air. Jaden Yankee only had one catch, but I expect him to probably be a bigger part of the offense in the national championship game. These two teams are the best two teams in FCS football, man. I'm so excited to see it. And I saw a wild tweet. I just want, I, like, I, I don't, I don't want to harp too much on it, but this just shows how little sometimes fans of other schools watch other other FCS football. Someone tweeted out that this was the most boring matchup that could have happened for the FCS, and they expect this to be the lowest-rated FCS national championship ever, and that no one cares about this game. You have one of the biggest rivalries in FCS football, a rematch between South Dakota State and North Dakota State, which was a one-versus-two matchup this year, and, uh, man, if you think this is – it's just outrageous what people try to go out and say and just discredit. It's just I, – I I couldn't believe I really saw that tweet from somebody. Now, you already know more and everything and they, what they were trying to do, but they really said that this national championship was going to be boring and no one would care about it. Oh, no, Ron. Oh, no. It was another FCS fan. And, yeah, so I think that is a, a little bit outrageous, to say the least. So North Dakota State, South Dakota State, uh, January 8th, ABC. I'm so excited that they finally put this game back on ABC, and I'm really, really excited. Hey, I picked them, sir. I, sir Retro, I, I, definitely, um, I, definitely, I definitely picked them, and I, I'm really, really excited to see if they can make it 10. 10. That's going to be crazy. But – the Celebration Bowl. We have so much to break down here. So much to break down here. The MEAC continues to dominance, and Trey Oliver in the post-game press conference talked about the disrespect he felt his team got. And, man, I, I really I can't wait for y'all to call in and give me y'all's thought on this game because I, I still can't believe what I necessarily saw from NCCU. Now, I knew their offensive line was good. Listen, they, there's a reason on my um, – th th there's a real reason on my all-conference team in the MEAC. They had four picks. Um, they had four picks on the offensive line of my all-conference team for the MEAC. And I was going to let you all know they do have a All-American at the FCS level um, on my All-American team as well. They dominated both lines of scrimmage. All week, and I was a little skeptical too, I'm not going to lie, North Carolina Central won the offensive line of scrimmage and the defensive line of scrimmage. They, it, it was so impressive. I'm going to do a film breakdown for members on the channel. Uh, so anyone who's a member on the channel will have access to the video. I'm just going to come on and break down NCCU's offensive line play. Because if you really 
understand the fundamentals behind offensive line play, where you need to be working together, gap fits, execution, communication, teamwork, man, I just, it is, it's going to be beautiful to watch after you see it all broken down. They abused Jackson State up front. And yes, Jackson State has some transfers. Yes, they were suspended and players only make so much of an impact. But I do think, I don't know if there were players suspended that individually made, you know, would have won the game for Jackson State. But what I think Jackson State suffered from is you had Katron Evans transfer. You had Big Country transfer. Niles was suspended. I think there was another guy who was suspended on the interior. Jackson State's biggest advantage all season long has been the depth on the defensive side of the football, specifically on the defensive line where they could consistently rotate fresh bodies in and they have fresh bodies late in the game. They substitute so much along the defensive line. And then when you add on top of that, Jeremiah Brown getting kicked out of the game for being an absolute idiot. They had zero depth down the, down the stretch and North Carolina central pushed them around and they had zero answer. They were not built to get punched in the mouth consistently like they did this weekend. And they had zero depth to answer it. They couldn't rotate fresh bodies because a lot of those fresh bodies were suspended or not, not eligible to play due to being in the transfer portal. And I really do want to say this. Anyone who has doubted Davius Richard has got to eat all all the crow in the world because Davius Richard came in here and absolutely put on a performance. 175 through the air was 15 for 20. One passing touchdown and ran for 97 yards on 22 carries and two rushing touchdowns. They just went out there, and they were the better team in Atlanta on Saturday. You've got to give Latrell Collier a, a huge credit to 98 rushing yards, one touchdown, average over six yards per carry, and the stiff arm of Cam. I mean, he displaced the turf. I mean, he, he the violent the violence that he that he runs with is infectious and I love to see it. And I, I had him on the show last week. I need everyone in the chat to give a round of applause to my guy, Matt Leone, the offensive coordinator for North Carolina central, the game plan, the play calling was immaculate. It was immaculate. It, it was, I, I'm, I am, so happy for my guy Matt Leone, man. I, I I love him, and I I loved having him on the on the show, and the play calling that I saw from him had this weekend was was amazing, man. That EJ Hicks play where where they where they let the wide receiver throw it, the fake the fake punt dial up, and the execution of that, the two point conversion on the Philly special, and just keep. I and I know there's some. People who, because someone texted me and said, man, they ran like the same play like four or five times and just different variations. And I want, and I'll say this, that is perfect offensive play calling. If you can run the same, if the goal of an offensive coordinator, I'll say this because Auburn did it when they went to the national championship with Nick Marshall, 
the goal for an offensive coordinator is to have the exact same formation and have about five different plays that all have the exact same look, the same motions, everything. You need to have five plays that all look exactly the same and do completely different things. And and they consistently did it. And Jackson State could not stop the power run. They couldn't, they couldn't stop anything off the right side of the offensive line. Robert Mitchell and those guys on the right side of the O-line absolutely put people in the dirt. And there were times where the pulling guard, I, I'd never seen this happen. The defensive tackle would get swept out of the play, and the pulling guard would pull sometimes and have nobody to block because they worked to the linebacker so well there was nobody to block. It was it, it was flawless, man. Like Like chef's kiss, flawless offensive line play. And the defensive line who got cooked all week by everybody. And listen, I'll be honest. I was skeptical of the defensive line coming into this. They stood up, and I, and I talked about it on the roundtable. There were times this year where Central didn't defend the run very well. The Delaware State game, the Campbell game, there was a few others. But then there were. it always seemed like coming into the game where they had a major test. New Hampshire, Dylan Lobby being an All-American. But uh, Tootin for North Carolina A&T. Um, who else do you want? There was another game where they shut down um, a big-time running back. Uh, maybe someone could correct me. There was a third game where they faced a, a huge All-American, All-Conference-type running back, and they shut him down. And they came into this game, held Jackson State to 68 yards rushing, 2.7 yards per carry, and a quarterback sneak touchdown. Savion Wilkerson had 52 yards on 15 carries. That's only about three and a half yards per carry. They could, they didn't get any push. They won both lines of scrimmage. They beat Jackson State in sacks. Jackson State led the country in sacks. Central had two sacks. Jackson only got one sack this weekend. They, they, they averaged six and a half yards per carry as a team. Jackson put up 2.7. They won both sides of the line of scrimmage. I don't know if that's happened all year long. You can argue for part of the Alcorn State game that happened, but for four quarters, Central was the most most dominant team up front by far. And let's give the wide receiver some some uh, some celebration. Devin Smith was came into the game as one of their top wide receivers. Only went for three catches for thirteen yards. EJ Hicks had a crazy performance. He had the big play on the trick play of the 30-something yard passing uh, pass play. Hit the, um, if I'm not mistaken, he was the same one that threw the Philly special. He went for three for 84, got behind Travis early, had that big 42-yard play to kick off the game. And then on top of that, Latrell Collier checking down was, was, was elite out of the backfield. And then on top of that, Quentin McCall with that touchdown catch. He's like the third string wide receiver, and Quentin McCall is going out there and balling out. Caught it on Shiloh and Nugget. Shiloh and Nugget not be able to handle Quentin McCall, and he put up an absolute great performance, man. That was a hell of a catch in the end zone, too. It, that could have went either way. Great, great ball placement by uh, Rashard, too. Khalil Baker had a big game. Ten, <clears throat> ten total tackles for Khalil Baker who is who's going to be an All-American for, for us, and he was an AP All-American, was the MEAC Defensive Player of the Year. Jason Chambers had a big day. Also, Colby Warrior, Colby Warrior and I believe it's De, DeAndre Brown. Both of those guys had a big game as well um, for, for Central. Give Trey Oliver credit. I mean, 
give Trey Oliver credit for keeping his team focused, keeping um, keeping his team because here's what's happened all year long. Everyone in the chats watched Jack State all year long, regardless of what their team is. There's been teams, all Corn State, Alabama State, that have came out and punched Jackson State in the mouth. But as soon as Jackson State punched them back, they weren't able to necessarily respond. And once Jackson State caught that momentum, it seemed like Jackson State started to walk away with it. When you look at that all-corn game, it was that Travis catch late in the game, really sucked out all the momentum and things kind of got out of hand. Alabama State, that late in that game, Shador took over, and they were able to walk down the field and put that game out of reach. For Central, though, every single time ever anyone thought Jack State had the momentum, Richard would come and walk them down the field. Him, Latrell Collier, EJ Hicks, they would put points on the board and keep putting pressure on JSU, and they never back down. And I think teams really do take the personality of their head coach. And I still don't think, based on everything I've seen from social media, everything, I still don't think Trey Oliver is getting enough credit for what he did this weekend. He deserves so much credit. And I think an interesting fact, too, this is something I don't think a lot of people talked about, is that this is actually Trey Oliver's second Celebration Bowl championship. If you don't know, this is just an interesting fact because I, I love bringing um, facts to the table on the show. He was the outside linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator at North Carolina a in 2015. So Trey Oliver actually was on the winning team of the inaugural Celebration Bowl back in 2015. So I, I think that's an interesting tidbit is that he, Trey Oliver, this, this stage was not new to him. Man, he he w- already has won a Celebration Bowl in his career, coached in it, and played an intricate role in that as well. So this was not Trey Oliver's first go-around um, on this, man. And so you got to give Trey Oliver a whole lot of credit. Uh, a round of applause uh, for him. But for, for, for Jackson, I will say this. I thought, I thought Shador played a solid game. I, I think Travis had a hell of a game outside of that one fumble where he just, I think he got caught. I mean, listen, he, that dude came Scott three, put his helmet on the ball and, and went out and made a play. I think those two guys get a lot of credit. Kevin Coleman had a solid game. And I, I think he showed you the speed and explosiveness that he really has. And, I think they they both played a great game. I just I really do I hate to say this and I know my guy Josh is gonna love this. I really do think on Saturday the best team on the field won. I, you can say what you want on paper, man. I think in terms of just overall execution, everything like with the players missing, I think the best team on the field won on Saturday, and that was North Carolina Central. And on top of that, man, listen, I feel I feel for. Hayden Hagler. I do. I, I, I cannot imagine the feeling of being in that moment, having the whole, the whole game in your hands, man. And you, and, and it just, it came up just a little bit short, man. And everyone drops passes. And I, I understand it was just like, man, on that moment, on that stage. And, I feel for him. I really do. I couldn't. I can't imagine what he's um, what he's necessarily going through right now, man. So, so I'm hoping that all the Jack State fans uplift him and um, 
Yeah, and I, I agree. Listen, I get, I can see both sides, Mr. Campbell, because I can see both sides because the reason it was open is because no one thought the ball was going to him. So, like, I get it in that. I get it in that moment is that the reason you call that is because no one is expecting him to get the football and he is wide open. And it was a great call. Like at the end of the day, like I get it. I understand why they called it because no one's expecting Hagler to get the ball. They didn't cover it. It was wide open. And if it's a catch, we're all talking about Bartoloni being an offensive genius for calling that play. But for me, it's yeah. And MC, they did. They, uh, they hit that exact same play at, uh, FAMU. It was the FAMU game. Hagler had a touchdown. Um, but I think in that moment, just for me, how I feel about it is you gotta put the you gotta put the ball in your best player's hands. Like if I have a if I have a moment where it's do or die, I need a touchdown to win, I want to go to my playmakers, the guys that I trust to make the play. Hagler hasn't been that guy for them all year. And I get that it was open because of that. But for me, I still I, I don't mind the play call. I just I just don't love the person that they put the I, I don't like the guy they put it in their hands, man. Like if I'm gonna die on a hill, I need to die on the hill of Travis Hunter, Kevin Coleman, Shane Hooks, Shador Sanders, Savion Wilkerson. I need to die in the hands of my best players. My best players. I get the play call, solid play call, but I got to get the play. I got to design a play to get the ball to my playmakers' hands. Like the Packers are not drawing anything up in a game-winning situation. That I mean, well, I guess well. So the Raiders aren't drawing anything up that's not going to Devontae Adams in that situation. The the Vikings are going to Justin Jefferson. Like get it to your playmakers. And so that's that's how I feel about it. It's a catch twenty-two. Hindsight's twenty-twenty. I agree. But I think multiple things can be true at once. You have to put the ball in your superstar's hands in that moment, and they didn't. And I agree I agree with some comments. I'm not going to pull them all up. That play didn't cost them the game. I agree. Same reason I said the fumble didn't cost uh, Incarnate Word the game. Jackson State lost that as a team. Prime was all the way right when he was talking about that in the locker room. Um, it, that one play never loses you the game. But – he is being used as a scapegoat, and I hate to see it, man. And I think I don't remember if it was Kobe. Someone tweeted out that his mom reported um, that they were getting threats and everything, man. Man, be better than that. Don't don't be that fan, please. Don't ever be that fan. I know no one who watches the show would be that fan, but man, that is just I, that's why I'm saying I just couldn't imagine all the things that he because I I tweeted out the video and. Some of the comments that I saw on the video were, I mean, uh, I, I'm just going to say that I, I I can't imagine. I'm just going to put it like that, especially given the whole underlying part of the situation. I just couldn't imagine, man. Everyone saw what they were saying about him. I mean, I don't have to go into it, but I I couldn't imagine. I I really couldn't. But um, Dennis, we yeah, we can my. My thing is, I want calls to be even, if anything. And there were two plays in the first half, and I'm I'm cool with it. They called a late hit on Richard, and they called a late hit on Shador out of bounds. There was two for two. But the fact that, man, I, I still don't 
I need someone to explain to me what was going on in Jeremiah Brown's head. Jer, Jer, Jeremiah Brown has to have some sort of answer for what he, I mean, he was out there acting like a, just a fool, man, consistently acting like a fool for no reason, no reason, costing his team consistently. And he got so lucky that the refs let him get away with the cheap shot on, on, on Richard late in that, late in that game. I mean, the, the whistle gets blown dead. The quarterback's just standing there. And he and he just comes around the corner and clocks him. That's just the refs were giving him chances after chance. And he and I agree, he was just getting beat. Corey Bullock and and, and Robert Mitchell and those guys were bullying Jackson State. I mean, you could tell the frustration for Jackson State in the game. Jeremiah Brown was acting out. Travis is trying to get into a fight after he's getting pancaked and run over. It's like uh, man, you you could tell in the moment that Jack State was not ready to get punched in the mouth, and man, they were just being undisciplined out there. And they, I don't understand how they didn't call the cheap shot on Richard because I hate to say, I mean, could y'all imagine what that would have done if it was Shador Sanders? Could you imagine if that was Shador who gets blindside hit after the whistle blew? I I, I mean, I don't. I let y'all answer it, man. Everyone knows what would have happened if that was Shador. And I will say the, the the replays. Look, the the replays are, are what they are, Dennis. And I will say this: it's up to the coach in college. It's up to the coach in college to call the timeout. It's not like the it's not like the NFL. Um, it's it's not like the NFL where they got a guy who is going to signal, you know, that is always going to be able to signal down everything. Like, and you also got to give Shador credit. The refs missed the call, but the refs missed fast calls like that every time, and it was a close bang-bang play. It was it was on Shador to get Jack State to the line and snap it quick, Dennis. That, you've got to give Shador credit. That is Shador's football IQ coming into effect. Both plays that should have been reviewed, if Trey Oliver really wanted to challenge it or review it, he should have called a timeout. And that goes back to, I guess he didn't – one – thought his timeouts would be better served later in the game or didn't want to waste them there just in case. But it's you've got to give Shador credit for football IQ for going for getting to the line and snapping it. And if if really and truly if they wanted to challenge it, Trey Oliver had to call the timeout. But um hey man, hell of a season for both teams. I'm so happy for Trey Oliver. I loved that was my I told you guys that was my favorite interview this offseason at Media Day was talking to Trey Oliver, and I, I'm really, really hoping we can make this thing work um, on the show. Um, I can't wait to talk to him again. If not, I'll definitely uh, get with him at Media Day because I'll be there again next year. But, man, hell of, a, hell of a season for both these squads. But North Carolina Central earned this one, man. They came out, played a hell of a game. But, listen, man, we're going to open up the call lines. 701-779-9585 is the call-in number. And I'll get to y'all's comments as well if you can't call in. Let me get this set up. Mr. Ford, you're live. I'm glad you called in. I know a lot of people are going to be asking about you. Oh, yeah, hold on. Let me turn this down. Hold on. Okay, first of all, I want to say congratulations to – the North Carolina Central family and to Coach uh, Oliver and to the uh, Eagle Nation for your national championship. 
I also want to say congratulations to Jackson State. It's been a great year, but it's a historical year for you. Uh, this season will be talked about for many, many years. Let me say this. I want to say this to these North Carolina A&T people. You might as well swallow your pride and follow behind the Eagles because you ain't going to win in nothing. Let me tell you something. Your chancellor, your president, President Martin, and your athletic director, Earl, I think it's Earl Hilton, they have put you in a ditch. And I don't know if, until the alumni and the people who love that school take over, you're going to be in that ditch because you ain't going to do nothing in no CAA. you out your league. Now, everybody says there were a lot of ANT people there. And like I said, you might as well follow behind Central if you're going to follow behind a winner because you ain't going to win in nothing. Okay. Uh, the most dominant thing I saw, two, two, two things I saw yesterday. The most dominant thing I saw yesterday was that offensive line that North Carolina Central had. You had talked about that. And I saw it with my own eyes. Now, the second thing is this. I want to know how did this uh, Trey Oliver put together a staff like that so quickly? I told them, I spoke to some people last night. They had me on last night. I see three potential head coaches on uh, Trey Oliver's staff. That guy, Matt, what was it, Leone? The, the yeah, Matt Leone. Yeah. Okay, he's a, he's a uh, potential head coach. The guy that's the defensive coordinator, uh, what's his name? Oh, I, I don't remember. Now, see, we know him in Georgia because he worked for Kirby Stewart for a couple of years. We know him. Okay, the third person I saw last night that is has a head coaching potential is the offensive line coach. They were doing something I hadn't seen in a long time. Now, Blue, you know about wedge blocking. You know, wedge blocking is almost obsolete now because everybody's uh, into the spread and four, you know, with the four wides and the five wides. Wedge blocking is almost gone. Them guys did a great job of wedge blocking on, on uh, Jackson State last night. The run blocking, the pass blocking, that offensive line to me was the most dominant offensive line I've seen all year. On, the, on this level, man, that, that, that was great. They're did, probably did you say something blue? yeah. They're probably the best. Them or A and T are the two are easily the two best offensive lines in HBCU football. They've been all year by far. Yeah, the guy I looked him up. Um, the guy who is the offensive line coach. He's a graduate of the University of South Carolina. He was a four year starter. Now I don't know how long Trey gonna keep him because now you know everybody needs a great offensive line coach. You know I've been hollering and fussing about that for the longest. But I, this guy here is going to go to the top. Uh, that, that offensive line coach for uh, North Carolina and, uh, Central is going to go to the top. Now, let me ask you this, Blue. I don't know if you – what is this on the internet all day about Colorado fired Deion Sanders Jr. as the media person? Have you been in that? It's been on the computer all day. What, what's yeah, going on with that? They did. They uh, said his brand doesn't necessarily meet the standards that they want their media brand to uh, uphold. I mean, I knew it was coming. They weren't going to let just some random person come in there and run the media. It, yeah. it won't happen like that. Yeah, because they've been. It's been on. It's been on. Several people talked about it. It's uh, 
I've seen some written stuff about it. It's that's that's been a trending uh, thing all day. It's about him and what happened to him. Um, let me tell you something. They exposed Shadu. I mean, uh, Shiloh again. As soon as he came in the game, they went after him, and it was all, they them people at uh, Central know that he can hit now, but he can't cover nothing. And they went after him. They went after him. You you had you were just talking about that brown kid. The reason he lost his composure is because of that kid. His name Bullock. What's that that offensive tackle's name? Yeah, Corey Bullock. He beat. Listen, he beat that boy in the ground. You hear me? That's why he lost his composure. That offensive line, they were whipping behind. Let me tell you something. Now y'all know how good Aubrey Miller is, right? They was headhunting him. They were looking for him. And every chance they got a chance to put a shot on him, they put a shot on him. Yeah, I saw it with my own eyes yesterday. But now, Blue, that's the real thing. Listen, I've been list. I've been watching the thing out there. I've seen a number of people. Some people going pro off Jackson State. I saw a list of people who are going in the transfer portal. Do you have a complete list yet? Oh man, I, I have like a list. Some like I got. I know the bigger names, but I mean, man, there's uh, um, like man, there's over a thousand FCS players in the portal. But I mean, I I got a yeah, good but I'm idea. talking about Jackson State. Oh, Jackson State. I know. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, Mercier. Yeah, I thought Dallas going pro. Yeah, Mercier's going pro. Tyler Brown's pro. in the portal. Um, the offensive tackle who was a first team all swag. He's in the portal with two years of right. eligibility. Willis Patrick's gone. I don't remember if he is going to the draft or the portal. I know Katron's already committed to Charlotte. Uh, okay. Big Country's in the portal. Um, right. I'm trying to think who. Uh, Shiloh and Shador, of course, are both in the portal. Right, right. I knew they were I heard Kevin's gone. Even though there's a bunch of reports that he's staying, I heard Kevin's gone. Yeah, that's what we heard last night, that his parents wanted him to stay. I know his what his parents want, but I I've heard that he's gone. And yeah, Zay and Nugget also went pro. Right, that's right. I heard Zay and Nugget. Okay, now here's the big one. Please tell me that TC is not gonna get his homeboys, but he's gonna get some good people. What have you heard as far as the people on his staff? I haven't heard anything about his staff. I heard Weeks is probably staying. And as that, defense coordinator, possibly. I was told it, it's a okay. it's a possible thing. And then there's a coach from. Oh man, I just got told last night where the coach is from. Um, that they're he's that, pro I or is he college? No, I, if I'm not mistaken, they went and got the D line coach from Alcorn State. They haven't announced it yet, but I heard that too. Okay. They're going to bring it for the D line. Okay, so you haven't heard anything on offense coordinator? No, nothing like that. Okay, okay. Well, that's what I'm – because I keep telling people – people have been calling me, asking me, is is uh, is it over for Jackson State? I told them, hell no. All he got to do is get a solid stand. Them people going to come to Jackson. That's the middle of the swag. You got the 60,000-seat stadium. You got seven, 8,000 students. You in the capital city. People are coming to Jackson. My main thing is don't do that stuff that duly pulled down there at Southern. I just don't do that. Don't go getting somebody because you played with them and you know they cousin and all that stuff. I don't know about them. I ain't got time for that. I need some quality people. 
Because, like I told him before, if he goes and get quality people, they can continue to dominate the SWAT. But now, if he's going to do this homeboy stuff, they're going to have a problem. Okay? Uh, listen, so now, you're on Wednesday at 8 o'clock, right? Uh, it, it might not be 8. I, I got I to gotta get the times down, but I, I'll make an announcement. But it'll be sometime in the morning, pretty much all day, right. running through. Now, now you're going to do everybody, or are you going to... Or basically do the HBCUs. What what what's the schedule looking like? I'll probably do just about everyone. Like I'll probably announce all the big ones, but I mean I'll I'll make a focus on whatever people want to talk about. But I mean there'll be it'll be a a large swack and meak focus though. Well, do me a favor now. If you hear anything about who's going to be on TC staff, please hold that so you can tell me because that's what's important. I need to know who's going to be on that staff. And by I got the way, you. is anybody heard anything about uh? Eddie Robinson trying to get a def- uh, offensive coordinator over there at, um, at Alabama State. Is he going to still go with that little league uh, offensive coordinator? What? Anybody uh, heard anything? I, 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 he hasn't fired anybody, so. Uh, That's what I, I'm saying. Yeah. So what about Dooley? No, no changes down there at Southern? Not from what I've heard. Listen, Blue, y'all have a good day. Wait a minute. Blue, did you have a question? No, I think that's it, Mr. Ford. I appreciate you calling in. Oh. Oh, and, and let me ask you this question. Now, I used to keep up with Stanford because of um, I started keeping up with them when Harbaugh had the program. Harbaugh left, and then they gave it to uh, what's his name, David? What, what was the guy's name at uh, David Stanford. Shaw? They just David, David Shaw. Shaw. Okay, so this is what I want to ask you now. This guy that's coming in from Sacramento State is he going to turn around uh, Stanford? What do you think? Man, he's a winner. I mean, he was on a like a 21-game conference winning streak in the Big Sky and won like three uh-huh. straight Big Sky titles. He didn't have a uh-huh. lot of success in the playoffs, but he's always been a winner. I'm excited to see what Troy Taylor could do. He's been due for an opportunity, and it's just uh-huh. going to come down to how well he recruits because the problem with Stanford is you can't really utilize a transfer portal because of the academic standards. So That's right. I'll be interested to see what he could do there, but he developed players really, really well at Sac State, which is why I think they went with him. Is because you've got to have a coach that knows how to recruit from the high school level. Okay, okay. Listen, Blue, y'all have a good night. Okay. Appreciate you, Mister Ford. All right, bye bye. <clears throat> all right, we got a bunch of callers. I'm getting to all of y'all. Five eight zero seven. You're live. Hey, what's up, Blue? What's good, man? Hey, man. Uh, I know Aubrey said in the post-game press conference that he was missing some of his guys on the D-line. Do you know which players did not play last night? Niles Gaddy uh, was the biggest one. He didn't play, and, they, you know, Katron was in the transfer portal. Uh, Griff's uh, big country was in the transfer portal, and if I'm not mistaken, there was another defensive tackle who was in the transfer portal. So did that mess up their rotation on the uh, on the D line? Yeah, for sure. With- I, I talked about that earlier. I think the biggest strength for Jackson State defensively is their ability to rotate a bunch of players, and the fact they didn't have that depth really wore on them late in the game because they weren't as fresh yeah. as they're used to and didn't have as many bodies as they're used to. And I think that did play a factor. And I think with Central being so strong on the offensive line, they were able to take advantage of it. And then Jeremiah Brown was an idiot and got himself ejected, which took even more depth away from him. So there was just a lot of factors that 
I mean, Jackson State really shot themselves in the foot. All right, man. Thanks, bro. Hey, appreciate you, man. Hey, appreciate you, man. Five five eight zero. You're live. Uh, can you hear me? Loud and clear, man. What's good? Hey, Coach, still here. Yeah, I want to uh, uh, add on to what was said about the situation in uh, Colorado and uh, his his son. Yeah, the kind of word I'm kind of getting is that you know some of the money people and ESPN, some of them, you know, they they feel like. He's he's making money that they should be making money off of, and that um, he's an independent contractor that they didn't hire. And some of the other people were saying they didn't like the look because they thought it was turning more like a H, you know, you know, more like one of the historical black colleges than what the look of a uh, Colorado should should look like. You know, uh, some of the people questioning the uh, music in the locker room and all like that. So. They basically are just kind of letting him know that, you know, he is an employee now of Colorado, and he's going to have to follow, you know, their kind of norms and things like this here and bring in Neely and all these other people and his other entourage is not really welcome around there. What do you think? I mean, I think the only person that they didn't approve was uh, his son being the main media guy because you got to think, look, there's been a, a lot of talk on Jackson State channels and Jackson State media that Jackson State didn't make any money. Like although all the well-off media and everything like that, they didn't make any money off of that. Jackson doesn't own any of that content. They weren't able to do any of that stuff. And if you think Colorado is going to let just prime bring a whole media team in here and all that and not own any of the content, you're crazy, man. It there's no way they're going to let people make money off the school and they not profit. It was, it was business. My like, man, you're, I'm telling you, the P5 schools, it's about the bottom dollar. And if you think Colorado is going to let well-off media come in there and make money off their back, crazy. I didn't think so. <laughs> no, because why would you? Because Jackson State shouldn't have. To be honest with you. Jackson State got absolutely screwed because of that. I mean, how how many views did highlights on that channel get that should have been on the Jackson State channel? I mean, how many more subscribers and views did, did all these other media channels that weren't owned by Jackson State make compared to the Jackson State channel? How much money did Jackson State miss making because of that? Right. Thank you for your opinion. Hey, appreciate you, man. Four zero one nine. Good love. Hey, what's going on, bro? What's good? I'm good. Uh, so, definitely, in addition to Hagla, I feel for um, Nalgadi. I mean, I don't know him personally, but he seems like he's a good kid. Seems like you probably know him better than I do. Um, seems like he put in the work and everything. And for him not to get an opportunity at the biggest stage, I really feel for him. And I hope he's okay. 
because I know he would have been able to like contribute to the team. Doesn't mean that they would have won, but I know he would have contributed to the team. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about one of the most impactful players that they've had this year, especially off the edge. Look, I I, I can't talk because I. I know firsthand what happened because everyone knows I have a relationship with the Gaddies. I've taught, I, I knew about the suspension the night after me and Scotty recorded the round table last week. And I, 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 I'm trying to, you know, describe what happened without getting into too many details. There was something that happened after graduation right. that mm-hmm. like in terms of family, personal life, that Niles had to handle, and there was a lot of traveling. Like, I mean, he drove all night, and there was there were some things he had to handle off campus. Well, when he got back, this is exactly why he was suspended. He was putting his bags on the bus. Prom moved the meeting up 30-plus minutes without telling everybody. Well, uh, an assistant coach told Niles to go put his bags on the bus, he goes to put the bags on the bus. Prom starts the meeting, and he gets back like one minute late, and he gets suspended. I mean, come on! Really? And then on top of that, what are we talking? Prom, what, are, what are we talking about? Oh, it, it gets better. Prom didn't want Niles to travel. The assistant coaches, the D line coach, and everyone told Niles, called Niles. He was not on the plane. He was not on the plane. They called Niles to come get him to the plane at walkthrough. Prom cusses Niles out in front of the team for being there after the coaches told him to be there. I mean, what do, I mean, what are we really talking about, man? I mean, if if you're gonna say you're building men up, I mean, you gotta be consistent. Come on now. At the end of the day, this is a young man. And again, you have a relationship with him. I don't, but he seems like a reasonable guy. I mean, I mean, just from me just following him. And the fact of the matter is, it's not like he doesn't seem like an irresponsible person. And you gotta base certain decisions on the character of a person and how, and you have to look at their track record. And if this thing happened and you're building men up, you got to look at the character of the person. They're like, you know what? This guy's character doesn't tell me that he is doing something, you know, foolish to to come late to this meeting or whatever the case is. I mean, come on, man. I love Prime. I do. But as someone, as a man of God, grace is also an important part of stuff. It's all about balance. I really fell for Niles, man. I mean, obviously, I feel for Hagelin. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, we, we talked about that. I really fell for that guy. Like, I was like, man, this guy's not there. I mean, and not only that, and, and, and I'm going to be short. I know you have other callers, but this thing really hit me. Not only that, but he could have been there for his brothers, his teammates. And I'm almost certain that also had an impact on the rest of the defense with the front seven. I'm almost certain about that on the D-line. That had an impact. 
and I want to say like people are freaking out, bro. I just said I'm it. He, he might not. Have, he called. He called him out in front of the team, regardless if he cursed. I don't know what exactly was said, but listen, he's fair. I mean, listen, if anyone's late, they get suspended. So uh, it is what it is. It's just, bro. Come on, you. you I, I'm, ex- but, I'm extremely. But, but, but listen, I'm, listen. I'm just gonna say this real quick, right? Okay, if anyone is late, they get suspended. Okay, fine. I get it. I get it. But life, I mean, he should know this. Life is not black and white. It's not 100% absolute. Yes, you have a rule, but you also have to look at the character of the person and be like, hey, man, I mean, what if, God forbid, you know, his someone someone in his family was sick or something and he had to go visit or whatever the case, or whatever the case is, and he came back a, a minute late? Like you would suspend him for something like that. I mean, you gotta look at the situation as well too. That stuff really pissed me off, man. It, it really does. And I hope, I hope that Coach Prime reflects on it and say, you know what? That's something I wish I could have had back because you know it, it really impacted me. And I hope that Niles is okay. And I hope that TC is really you know, just uplifting him up and hopefully he comes back better and stronger. That's all I have to say, man, because that really, that really affected me, man. Hey, no, you're good, man. Hey, appreciate you calling. All right. And I will say, I mean, listen, it does happen all the time and prom's consistent. My thing, the, the biggest thing for me is, is if an assistant coach told you to do something and then the head coach suspended you for it, I'd be pissed. It's not like he missed the meeting because he was out doing some BS stuff. I mean, bro, if I went and did something another coach told me to do and then the head coach suspended me, oh, I'd be pissed. For my last game for the bowl game, I'd be out of there too. He ain't making me stay playing for you. Come on, man. That's outrageous. Like, that's the key to the whole thing is that the assistant coach let him take the bullet for him being told to go do something. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. I, I'm with y'all that it happens all the time. But the fact that an assistant coach told him to go put his bag on the bus, that that's crazy to me. But, hey, it is what it is. I mean, 3-2-0-2, you're live. What's up, Blue King? Hear me is Steve. Hey, what's good, man? Good, good. Well, I can say thank you so much for this wonderful season you covered, man. I wish you, you know, and you know, I hope you, I hope, I hope you get paid a dividend, man. But I just want to talk about the referee at the Celebration Bowl. I watched it, and it was, I mean, it was horrible, man. Did you know what what conference did that did that game? As far as the referees, the, I think it was the MAC, wasn't it? The MAC or the MIAC? No, the MAC, like MAC, like the FBS conference. Yeah, where Ohio and uh, Akron plays yeah. at? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. And also, Blue, uh, I know, I, mean, I don't know if you put out your um, All-American team yet, but if you give me a spoiler, is Isaiah Lamb making it? I know he missed about four games. Uh, there's three or four no. games this year, but he had about seven and a half sacks and like no. 11 to tackles for loss. No. He's he's not on the all American list. Not even okay. not even considered. Zero chance. I understand. I understand. 
But that's all that's all I want to say, Blue. But thank you so much for a great season, man, for real. Shout out to Mr. Campbell, Mr. Ford, Oscar, everybody, man. Hey, appreciate you calling in, man. All right, peace. Hang on. I got to address one comment. And Anonymous, I'm getting to you next. Listen, people get so mad at the wrong people. Everyone asked me what I heard happened. I told y'all what happened, and y'all mad at me. Don't be mad at me for, for, for y'all asking me the question and me giving y'all the answer. So if you are upset at anybody, either be upset at your coach or be upset at your player. I was not in Jackson. I didn't have anything to do with it. Y'all asked me what happened, and I told y'all what I was told happened. So there it is. He was suspended. J- Jackson State lost. Keep the main thing the main thing. How about that? Anonymous, you're live. Hey, Blue, this is Steve. Hello? Anonymous, Hello. you're live. Yes, can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Okay, so that's not hearsay. I actually heard that um, yesterday uh, from another uh, reporter or journalist that he was suspended for a bag or something like that, so that's not hearsay. That's actually proven. The other thing I was going to say is that is totally ridiculous. Uh, for a player to be suspended for their bowl game on our senior year um, to not play because they, they put a bag on it. I would absolutely um, try to get that rectified. I mean, I don't even know. You can't get your senior game back, but that's for a national championship, that's pretty stupid. Um, I, I never heard of somebody being suspended for being one minute late for a meeting. Um, overall, I was going to say also that JSU, I think, did a good job. I don't think their defense um, showed up, but they overall did it. It was a knock them, knock them out game. The last one with the ball scored, so I think that that actually was actually one of the best college games I watched this whole year, out of uh, FBS, FCS, D two, whatever. That was like one of the best college games. Where would you rank that, Blue? <sighs> like for this year or all time? Uh, I guess both. But first, the uh, just this year, that was definitely one of the better games I've seen this year, besides LSU and um and Georgia, I mean and Alabama. All right, so the Celebration Bowl, oh god, uh, I, I think the Celebration Bowl was a top three game, right? I, I think so because I mean, last week, let, let me tell you, the best game of the year. I know people are biased, bro. The Incarnate Wars Sac State game last week. It was the best game of the year. I mean, it has an argument to be one of the best FCS games ever. So I, I would say top three easily. Yeah, I, th- I think definitely top three. Now, with the Sac State game, I didn't see it when I seen it was a high scoring. Did it go to overtime? Uh, No, I don't think it went to overtime, but there was like 50-something points scored in the fourth quarter. In oh, a, a last-minute Hail Mary, and I think it uh, Sac State lost the game, and they had like 700 yards of offense, and it was – I'm telling you if, you, if you haven't went – you could just try to go find – I think there's a replay on like ESPN Plus if you have it. You could just type it in and watch it. The Incarnate Word Sac State game was one of the greatest games I've ever watched as a college football fan. And it was just mm. a, a, 
a master class of football, man. It it would make if you if you have a game to show people, show them that game to make them love and make them fall in love with college football. Hmm. Well, I, I just seen a score. I didn't know that it was uh, that back and forth. What would you rank number two then? I mean, you can make a debate for the Celebration Bowl and that Holy Cross Fordham game earlier this year was just insane. And I'm just thinking about like FCS games. I mean, there there could be some um, deep FBS games that I'm thinking about, but the Holy Cross Fordham game earlier this year was outrageous as well. I mean, that went that one went into overtime too, and they won it on a like a double reverse. Like they they tried to run like a double reverse like Philly special, and instead of throwing it, the wide receiver ran it in instead. Yeah, it was wow. insane too. So I think those will probably be the top three games that I've seen this year. Yeah, I would go one. The only reason why I, I mean I haven't I got to be honest I didn't watch that whole um, UI and uh, Sacramento State. Is that the name of the team, Sacramento State? Yeah, Sac State. Yeah, I seen the score. I didn't see the the, the whole game. Um, but this one, the only reason with the celebration, it was at the moment that the plays happened. Like, that Travis Hunter play was just insane. That, like, hardly ever happens with five seconds left on the clock. Hail Mary to send it to overtime. The um, fumble, the punt return. It was just, like, nonstop action in this game. But um, I would go celebration bowl number two, LSU, that loss. Or was that Tennessee? No, that was LSU, correct? That yeah. Alabama at home. Yeah, LSU-Alabama was a hell of a game, too. I won't lie. And yeah, the Bama... I'll put that, too. The Bama-Tennessee okay. game, too, was a yeah, hell of a game. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was that Tennessee and who else? It was Tennessee and Bama when they won on the uh, last-minute field goal. That's when uh, Jalen Hyatt went for, like, five touchdowns on six catches. Right, right. Yeah, I will, I will put the LSU game above that one. I did not see the Fordham game, so I can't speak on that one. Um, but this is definitely one of the better bowl games I've ever seen. And the last thing I was going to ask you, if you were starting lineman at Jackson State, like uh, I think you said Tyler Brown's leaving, would you transfer out or would you give TC another shot? And I'm going to punch out. Um, it just depends. I, I think it would depend on your relationship with the incoming defensive coordinator or defensive line coach. Um, it, it, I, I can't speak for anyone. I, it also depends on what they – what their draft stock is, what offers they potentially could get in the transfer portal, everything like that. I mean, I don't know what TC is pitching everybody, but I, I just think I would, it would be a case-by-case basis and what your relationship with TC and your relationship with the defensive staff that he is going to bring in – that would play more into my decision than anything. Um, and appreciate you, Rennie. Uh, I agree. I heard him last night talk about it too. Uh, so I knew it was it was good information. Um, but, man, you, uh, I'll probably 15 more minutes, man, taking calls, 701-779-9585 if you want to call in. But, man, we're recapping everything that happened this weekend. Also, if you were, were not here at the beginning – um, I potentially am going to have head coach Trey Oliver on the show this week to talk about the Celebration Bowl win. Uh, offensive coordinator Matt Leone is probably going to stop back by as well. Wednesday, me and Scotty doing a full day National Signing Day live stream talking. I'll, I'll be you know bringing the FCS information, of course, but me and Scotty will be focusing on um, the SWAC and MEAC bringing in some talent on National Signing Day. It's going to be a huge, huge uh, 
live stream to say the least. And and then I'll, I'll kind of let y'all know about some interviews I got coming up uh, later. Also, all the American team will be coming out this week. I'll probably do a live stream for that. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, there. And let's just say this: there is a. I think there's four MIAC players on the All American team and four, maybe five SWAC players on the All American team for the FCS. So. Uh, just to kind of give y'all a little teaser about who those guys potentially are. And Jordan just put out here, Herman Smith enters the transfer portal. Let's see, I think he just DM'd it to me. Yeah, Her Herman Smith put out his tweet that he will be entering the transfer portal with two to three years of eligibility left. I'm, I'm imagining that he's going to uh, – make a distinction on how many years he has left. And then also coach, uh, coach Shad also just tweeted out his apology, uh, not apology, but his departure from Jackson state. So coach Shad is also out of here at, at Jackson state as two big losses already. I'll see <clears throat> if JSU didn't go for two, do you think they would have won? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know if they would have won. Uh, th there's so many other things that would have happened because you don't because all if they would have went for two, I would have just mean Central went for two on one of their touchdowns. Two, three, eight, eight. You're live. Scoring on Blues Double T. What's good, man? Hey, did you see Lindsey Scott throw that fumbled on the two? Like he basically gave that in the North Dakota game away. What do you think? Oh. Both interceptions were terrible, horrible, terrible. Because the the second one, I don't know. Okay, I, I can't speak for him, but I think he thought it was either a later down or less um, less time on the clock. Like he thought that was like a do or die situation when it wasn't. Man, he could have hit. He could have hit the check down and. They yeah. could have lived to fight another day. The first interception, I think he it got away from him. It kind of turned into a duck. Dawson Weber broke on it. And I do not know what Darian Chafin was doing on the outside. It seemed like he didn't come back inside and try to fight for the ball. I don't know if the NDSU corner did a better job than I'm assuming boxing him out. But Darian Chafin is a big dude. And I just have a hard time thinking he got boxed out like that. And I, I don't know exactly what happened, but it just seemed to die on Lindsey Scott when most of his deep balls are perfect. He, it, it just got away from him. Yeah, because nobody said it was just the the North Dakota DB back there, safety back there to pick it off. And did you and you and did you see when he fumbled on the two yard line? He fumbled the ball too. Yeah, that was a. I I I, I don't know what was going on with the center. There were multiple times where he got snaps before he was ready. I don't know what the miscommunication was about, but there were a few times where they snapped in awkward spots for him. And I do think, like, man, the turnovers came in the worst times because everyone talks about the fumble, but, man, the turnovers cost them that game because you get the ball back, you take three points away from NDSU early because you don't get the ball at the one-yard line. Then you get another turnover inside the red zone where Terrible. you know you lose points on the board. And on top of that, there were three drives inside North Dakota State territory where they got no points because of either turnovers or they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. It's like if they would have just taken the points when they had the points in their hands, 
they would have won. And it's I, I can't hindsight's 2020. I'm not gonna fault GJ Kenny because he's coached like that all year. It was just in that situation, in my opinion, maybe I'm conservative. Mm-hmm. You always take the points early in the game, especially in the first half, because you because you can't predict what's gonna happen in the second. Going forward on fourth down in the red zone early in the game to me is putting everything on the line because down the stretch, they throughout college ball history, they've always came to bite you in the ass. You have to get the points, especially against North Dakota State and the Fargo Dome. If they just take the points, that thing is like 20-something, what, 24, 25 to nothing in the first quarter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, definitely agree with you on the first half. I um, get it. The second thing, did, did Incarnate Words say anything about a new coach yet? I mean, who they replaced Yeah. Him? They promoted – Um, hang on, let me make sure I get his name right. They promoted the wide receivers coach. Uh, let, me, okay. let me get his name. Hang on. He's like one, He's like 29, bro. He's like one of the youngest coaches in the country. Hey, oh. let me see if I can find his name. They tweeted out a bunch of stuff. They announced it right before the game. Uh, Clint, I believe it's Kill, something Kill. Uh, it was like Clint Killy or over something like that. Florida? Do what? Did he come over from Central Florida with the head coach? I believe so. And just one other thing. Can you believe South Dakota stomped Montana State like that? No. Come on, man. I I did. I cannot <laughs> believe they beat them like that. Because, I mean, Montana State's run the ball on everyone. And South Dakota State struggled so much last week to stop Matthew Solka in that run game for Holy Cross. And I thought Montana State had a had just as good of an offensive line. And, I mean, it, I guess it speaks to how good Sol- uh, Soluka is or Solka is. But, man, Montana State just got abused on the offensive line. It, it was I caught insane. the game late. They was already down by 15 well, they, they hit the big pass with Tucker Craft. Montana State gets the Sean Chambers touchdown. They missed the extra point. And then after that, Isaiah Afonzi and Amir Johnson just went crazy for them. And uh, once Sean Chambers got hurt, I think the kind of wheels started falling off for Montana State. And on top of that, what was happening was is those two D tackles, Winkleman and Sanders, were eating up the interior of the of the def- of the offensive line. And since it was so snowy and icy, the fact that it was making Malat, Afonzi, those running backs make quick cuts in the backfield, they consistently lost their balance. They couldn't get any, get any momentum moving forward, and it just ate them alive all day long. Jeez. All right, Blue. Good show, man. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you, man. Appreciate my guy T calling in. Man, taking a few last calls, 701-779-9585. Yes, Miles Crawley committed to Grambling. His dad is a Grambling alum, if I'm not mistaken. And Miles grew up going to a bunch of the Bayou Classics, a bunch of um a, a bunch of just Grambling events. Like I believe his dad is a big time alum for Grambling. And what I was told by some people at Grambling is that this was kind of like a done deal uh, as soon as he entered the transfer portal. Um, so um, I mean, Jackson State was top 10 all year. Jeff, I mean, Jackson State's been top 10 pretty much all season long. Now, I will say, if you're a Jackson State fan, do not get excited for the for the 
top 25 to end the season. Do not be excited because Jackson State is going to absolutely tank in the rankings. Jackson State will not be top 15 in the final rankings this season. Just going to throw that out there. Zero chance. I'm just going to let you know they are going to absolutely tank in the rankings. Uh, I'm just preparing you guys. I'll release mine so you all know where I rank everybody. I haven't even started working on mine. Jackson State is not going to be top 10 in the final rankings. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just preparing you guys for the worst. It is not going to happen. Uh, I just want to, I'm always honest with y'all on this channel. It's not going to happen. Um, is it true Travis Hunter is in Colorado tonight? I, I don't know. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, you're talking about um, Chad. Uh, just, isn't it Chad Morris's son? I forgot his first name. It's Morris was the starting quarterback this year for TCU. He got hurt, and Duggan took over. And, and well, Dugan, um, or I don't know if it's Dugan or Duggan, but they uh, he's entered the draft, and the Morris kid is coming back. I think it's – I want to say it's Chandler Morris, but I could be wrong. But it's, I know his last name is, uh, is Morris. Their offensive game plan was based on uh, Sean Chambers being in there, but it was Bobcat defense. They gave him no chance. Man, the defense looked atrocious. I was shocked. JSU would get boy out by one top five and will be in one top ten. I see Brookings is on the way back from Fargo from Texas. So if NDSU wins, start to keep by stress. We're leaving bicycle signs on the highway. <laughs> oh. Let's see. I'm just talking about like the postseason rankings there, and I'm not talking about the preseason uh, rankings. The preseason, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know how people are necessarily going to vote in that, but um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know about that one. I don't think it'll be Ed Reed. Uh, listen, I, I'll, I'll say this. I've talked about it a little bit. I heard A&T already has their guy. Um, it's just a matter of when they're going to announce it. That's what Dr. Cavill said, too, and I trust Dr. Cavill on a lot of the reporting for – just HBCU football in general, but I really do think they got to go get a proven coach. I mean, you can't take a risk and hire a celebrity coach going into the CAA the first year. You need a coach who can take you compete in that conference and compete for an FCS playoff spot, man. You cannot take a risk on a celebrity hire that may bring you some great commits and great players, but can't coach a league and you just get absolutely run through in the CAA. You just can't happen. a t has to have a coach that that has some experience at the highest level, and that that's going to be really interesting. I I don't see them going out and getting a celebrity coach. Zero chance on that, in my opinion. Now, Khalil, the only the only one I really have any info on is: do not be surprised if Valley goes and gets Sam Washington. Uh, Sam Washington just got fired from uh, North Carolina A&T Valley grad. I would not be surprised if Valley uh, goes and gets Sam Washington. But in terms of the other two, I, I have not heard anything um, on their coaching searches. Uh, let's see. This is CJSU shows the important. And I love it. Offensive line. Yes, and hit the like button just because y'all tuned into the channel. But yes, because the season is over, hit the like button too because I'm upset about it. I don't know who the guy is, but... Um, Dr. Gaville said he was confident that they uh, that they had somebody. No, I ain't got nothing on the BCU coach. Uh, I, I need to reach out to some people because I do have some guys with BCU contacts, but 
I will uh, I'll let y'all know on the live stream Wednesday with Scotty, who who I hear is rumored to be interviewing for that one. I do got some BCU guys I can talk to. Is the one very defensive coach? I, that would be my suggestion. If I'm AT, I'm going to get him immediately. He has he has experience co- coaching at Howard HBCUs. He's a Valley guy. Go go get a guy that has that is part of HBCU culture and also has success in the CAA. I, I don't see why you wouldn't give him a shot. Yes, Russell. I, I mean, I I went to I, I saw the MIAC play multiple times this year, but I, I will pr- I'm going the I want to go to a central home game. I really want to get up to a Morgan State game next year, and I want to go see uh, South Carolina State in Orangeburg. So there's a few, uh, there's, there's a few game, there's a few stadiums in the MEAC I want to go see. I also want to go to a Howard game too. Um, I want to see what that's like. So I got I got a few on my on my list. Uh, okay, apparently Cameron uh, Cam is in the transfer portal. Um, we'll see. On that one, yeah, Chandler Morris. There you go. I knew it was something like that. I'm gonna take this last caller, man, and get out of here. Seven one two zero. You're live. Uh, yes. I just called in about uh, Auntie, get uh, letting Sam Washington go. Yeah, I think the frustration was with all the unnecessary. Personal foul penalties, penalties. Uh, you know, reacting to trash talking, they commit a penalty right in front of the referee. That's yeah, undisciplined. If, if it wasn't for those penalties like that, uh, there's some games NT could have won. They could have won the Central game. They could have won the God the Web game. But just stupid penalties killed killed some of their drive. Yeah, I, I know. I've talked to some A&T people. They just, I, I, based on what everyone called in yet, you know, the other show when was talking about is that they just didn't understand why you would want to transition with a new name. Why not give Sam one year after he was one game away from winning the Big South? Why don't why not give him one year to see what he can do in the CAA? So I agree with them. If it was me, I would have given them that year, given them uh, the whole staff of pay raise, and I would have given them another year, but I guess you had all the rumbling, you know, with the alumni upset with the, you know, undisciplined play of the team, and I mean, I mean, like God in the web. I mean, we were driving, and offensive line, I mean, this was a play out of bounds, offensive line, a push here for God the way up. The referee let him get away with it. Then he pushed him again. And here's the flag. Now we have to guard the way up 35. I mean, it's just stupid stuff, but I agree. I would have given him another year. And they're talking about offensive lines. I mean, Antique's offensive line was tough. They were real good. And when the, when our guys didn't talk trash, they played ball. Like in the second half against Campbell, they didn't do any trash talking. And they went to work. But when games where they got caught up in the trash talk against Central, they talking trash from the jump. Uh, that's when those stupid penalties come in. And that's what killed. That's what killed. Hey, I, pr- I appreciate the insight, man. I appreciate you calling in. Thank you. All right, man. Shutting down the call lines. 
Let's see. But man, listen, I appreciate y'all tuning in real quick for Sam. Um, it's still going on. They announced the official conference schedules on, uh, I think, last week. If you go to the OVC or Big South website, they have the entire conference schedule and how the matchups are going to um, work out. So you can go check check it out there. But, yeah, that's still going on next season. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see if there's some really, really good matchups that, that I really want to see. So I'm glad they did it. Both conferences really needed a, some help at this point. Now – the A-Sun and Wacker on the clock, because I still think once Kennesaw, Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, all these teams that are getting ready to leave, they're going to have to figure something out. That'll be the next two conferences, and I'm really curious to see what they do. But listen, appreciate y'all for tuning in. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. National Signing Day coverage on Wednesday. Potential interview with Trey Oliver, Matt Leone, coming later this week as well. A lot of content. All-American teams drop tomorrow. Check that on the website, thebluebloodspod.com. But until next time, guys, the Blue Bloods are out.